Welcome back. On today's episode, we'll be discussing 27 Dresses, the prequel to Danny Boyle's genre-defining 28 Weeks Later, starring Cillian Murphy as a man who wakes from a 28-day coma to find the majority of the world's population decimated by the rage virus, a disease which turns people into zombie-like rage... What's that? Oh, it's not? Oh. Well, in that case, cue up your favorite montage music, try on every outfit in your closet... Have a Red Bull and join us as we discuss 2008's 27 Dresses, starring Katherine Heigl and You've Got Mail staple, James Marsden, where we see how many rom-com tropes and cliches you can actually cram into an hour and 50 minute movie. Welcome to You've Got Mail's. Always the bridesmaids, never the brides. I'm Jason, this is CJ. Welcome to You've Got Males. Cyclops is back, baby! Fuck yes! My God, where has this guy been my whole life? Today's episode of You've Got Males, we're doing 2008's 27 Dresses, starring Katherine Heigl as a woman who can't say no, and somehow has 27 goddamn friends. Wow! Holy shit! That's some real pre-30s energy how, right there. How many weddings have you been in, aside your own? In? Like, actually standing up on a stage? Yeah, so, I mean, yours, obviously, you're, you're a married man, so your wedding is, is a number one. Yeah. You were obviously in that one. So, not counting my own two. Oh, two? Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This is all news to me. I thought you were only married once. Well, no. Oh. <laughs> okay, I see how it is. Well, I don't understand what no, you're saying. I've been in two wedding parties. Oh, okay, okay. Where you stand up next to somebody and hope they don't fall on you. I got it. I feel like we've got it pretty easy as men, though. I mean, you're not... Uh, this movie made it look like a real goddamn chore to be a bridesmaid. It does. Literally, like, the biggest inconvenience in a, as being a groomsman is just running the tuxedo. and That's then true. And then possibly trying to keep everybody alive the night of the bachelor party. Other than that, it's just, you're just there to get drunk. You've got yeah. no responsibilities, nothing. I was the best man. I had to write a speech, but I, it took me two seconds, and I did it the night before. Very lackadaisical about the whole thing and it came off perfectly so is that you've been in one wedding and you were the best man um i've been the best man once and i have been a groomsman two times so but i mean i don't even know 27 people close enough to be in their wedding like let alone yeah i don't i've never been invited to 27 weddings i don't think i've been to 27 weddings even as a guest that's the thing that got me about this movie is the idea that she has 27 friends that she's close enough that every single one of them is it because she's a a wedding superhero that they're like oh we gotta bring her in because she's gonna make everything work that's i kind of got the impression at a point that maybe she wasn't even that close of friends with these people that it was just word of mouth like she was one woman's maid of honor or bridesmaid and then she told a friend and then she told two friends and then she told two friends and all of a sudden to the point where she's in two weddings on the same day. She's the wedding rabbit's foot. Yeah. You've got to have her there because your wedding will succeed. If at she that point, there. if you're that good, why not just become a wedding planner? That's what I thought this was about at first. I thought she was. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess maybe we should give a little background just in case I feel like we went right into what we're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, People absolutely. might not have seen this movie and now Catherine Heigl plays Jane, um, a pretty average lady with a pretty good job mm-hmm. but pretty unremarkable not really going over their life um secretly in love with her boss and uh she is a wedding guru essentially she's a number one um you know if you're making an, an expendables movie about ladies that are good at weddings she's number one right you yeah. got her and then whoever else so she's been in 27 weddings always the bridesmaid never the bride 
Uh, she's secretly in love with her boss. Uh, her uh, fly-by-night, not-a-care-in-the-world sister comes into town for a couple weeks. Immediately falls in love with her boss. He falls in love with her. They end up getting engaged. Now she has to oh, be... Shit, shit. Okay, okay. You're 40 minutes into the movie that fast. All right. <laughs> no, but I mean, the whole plot of this movie, I think, is that her sister is marrying the man she loves and she can't say no. It has to be she the really bridesmaid. She not. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty pivotal point in the movie where, you know, James Marsden, Cyclops fame, the notebook fame from last week, and thank God he's... Gets his due in this movie to a degree. Although, fucking time. although I've got problems with him in this movie, which we can get to. I feel like we've been following this guy's career for years. <laughs> to two weeks at least. I feel every fucking minute of it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm going to be the honest. The curse is broken, finally. And then next week we'll watch a movie probably where he gets murdered in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so she has to be the bridesmaid. Help her sister plan the wedding for her and the guy that she secretly loves hijinks if you want to call it that ensues so that's basically the gist of it i don't know how we well you skipped about 13 scenes with judy greer and i'm a little i'm a little offended about that because i love judy greer as much as the you next love guy. judy greer so here's my issue with this movie i guess and judy greer i feel like we could have kicked up her scenes a little more more of her and i might have been a little more happy to go back to last week a little bit as much as i hated the notebook they kind of turned all the tropes on their head where everybody was, uh, you thought they could be the bad guy. You thought they'd be this thing and they weren't. And then the two leads were the worst people in the movie. This movie is like, they took every romantic comedy trope, plugged it into a computer. And then the AI bot wrote the script and nobody's that exciting or interesting. You think, you think it's that fly by night. It's very vanilla to me. This movie, like this is what I was expecting when we got into doing a podcast about romantic comedies. This is the prototypical, like, this is what I thought we were going to get. You've got uh, the lovelorn uh, main character who's in love with someone else, but probably isn't the right person for her. And then you've got this other guy who doesn't seem like the right person. And she is diametrically opposed to, and they butt heads about everything. But deep down inside, you know, they're going to end up together and they love each other. You've got the sister who plays the outside force that's trying to ruin the relationship that the main character wants. It's just, there's just, and you've, and oh my God, you've got the, we can get into it, but so many just scenes that you expect from a romantic comedy, the, the dash at the end, uh, get to where <laughs> the other person is, the proverbial run through the airport, although this time it was a jump from a dock to a boat, but it's all the same. They could have used a little more slow motion in that. I, I think where you see cookie cutter, I see a little bit more depth in this one. Uh, tell me about I it. Really Please, make, I really, show me the light. I'm the so, bridezilla, you're the excellent bridesmaid. Talk me off this ledge and make me feel like today is going to be my day. So as we come into this, we both have our, our list of notes on this movie. Right. Uh, yours, you have you have impeccable handwriting. Thank the you. Way. They're very sparse. Like, you should have seen, my notes for the notebook look like the Zodiac Killer wrote them. I mean, I, I had stuff going I the saw side. Them. I saw them I on the stuff. Facebook. That you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My God. This, I couldn't come up with a whole lot because this movie, just to me, these people were so goddamn boring. Mine looks like a drunk person wrote them. <laughs> Spoiler okay. alert. A drunk person wrote them. Oh. I mean, right off the top, about three times right in the beginning of the movie, I got twisted and turned. I thought she was going to like five different weddings. Turns out it was only two. Right. I, I caught on to that after a few minutes. Right. Everything to do with Cyclops threw me off. Like, I was like, why does this guy hate weddings? He's got this whole thing about him where he just hates weddings vehemently. Vehemently? Yes. That's the word. That's the word. I got you. 
I got you, boo. Thank you, pal. So he hates weddings. I can't figure out why. And then, boom, he's the biggest wedding writer in the world in New York, which is the world for them. If you ever that's talk a, to somebody from New York. Yeah, exactly. And that's a fun, that's a fun little twist, I guess. Surprise, surprise. He's actually a great fucking writer. Yeah. Although, great writer, kind of a stalker. Mm, I'm starting to realize after watching a few of these movies. There's a fine line between stalker and romantic, and it's definitely looks related. Yeah, and also to go back to The Notebook, we talked about how much Ryan Gosling nagged Rachel McAdams. Yeah. All James Morrison does in this movie is nag the character of Jane. <laughs> Tells her how awful weddings are, how what she likes is stupid, like, <laughs> talks about how all of her, her job is stupid. In his defense on this one, he nags the situation before he realizes he likes her. He's not trying to sleep with He's trying to write a story about her. Oh, see, I don't think that's true. I don't think he thinks to have the idea to write the story until three quarters of the way through the movie when he realizes that she has a closet full of 27 dresses. When he sees her at the wedding, he doesn't know that this is her life. He just sees a cute girl at a wedding and sees her running around and like wants to wants to meet her and talk to her. Oh, shit. And then he gets her planner book in the back of the, lim- uh, the, back of the taxi. That's where it changes. He, he, that's where it changes for me i don't that's the part that weirds me out is that he keeps her planner and then shows up somewhere that she has penciled in just to try to get with her and doesn't even try to make it look like a coincidence he's just like hey i read your planner here i am i knew you'd be here it was either this or your uh waxing session in a week and so, i was like well gee, could you could have at least like bumped into the bar and said oh hey remember me i was in the taxi we shared a, a we we're at the wedding together no that didn't happen <laughs> so here's my question all right question number one of the night okay because the way I see it, he meets her in the back of the taxi. Right. He's probably like, I go to weddings every fucking week, and I probably hook up with another chick every week. You get the impression probably that that's the kind of guy he is? Absolutely. fucking oh, Look yeah. at his Jim Halpert hair. I mean, this is 2000. I, I Wait, when get, did this movie come I out? I didn't get that. This was 2008. He was rocking the fucking token white guy energy right there. This was his girl that night. It was supposed to just be a one night stand. Nothing happens. He finds the book in the back. Okay. Realizes who she is. She is also a a vital function of the New York wedding industry. I didn't get that impression at all. So from here on out, here's my question. Until they finally sleep together or fall for each other. Yeah. Is he working for the story that he's going to write on her? Or is he working to get her? He's working to get her from the beginning. You think? And then the story oh. comes along. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was all about the scoop. He wanted this big story so that he could get out That's of his That's not the impression board. I got. Like, I honestly don't think that that story was ever even an idea until he realized that she'd been in 27 weddings. And he was like, well, this is a story. Because even, yeah. like, her planner, I don't think, had all of her past weddings. It just, he saw how much she liked weddings. She had all the clippings. But not necessarily that she had been a bridesmaid in 20, well, I guess it would, to that point it would have been 26 weddings because the goth wedding came next. And that would have been the, <laughs> that would have been the 27th wedding. Which is um, great, by it, the way. Kristen Ritter. <laughs> I love Kristen Speaking Ritter. Speaking of goths, I'm pretty sure she's a vampire. Absolutely. Because she, she looks, looks the exactly same. the same yes. for 30 years. And why wasn't she in this movie more? I would have loved to have seen her in this movie more. They didn't give her enough meat on no. the bone on this one. There were a lot of people I would have liked to have seen more than the main <laughs> characters in this movie. But yeah, I don't think that he was ever out. And I don't think it was a one-night stand situation either. 
I think he was genuinely intrigued by her when he saw her running around and she was there, then she wasn't, then she was there, then she wasn't. And I mean, we can go right to the beginning where she falls down and gets knocked out and he kind of shoes off all the other bridesmaids. Like, we've all seen Well, because he's also a pro. They're both wedding pros. We've seen James Marsden circa 2008. He could have any bridesmaid he wanted. This is true. There's no reason he had to go for the that one. So yeah. there was, I think there was a genuine connection there where he he actually was genuinely intrigued by her, and was interested in her. And the story didn't come about until he got to the meat of the story and found out there is a story here. Up until that point, I don't think that he was writing that story the entire movie. He didn't know. I assumed once he found that notebook, that's where it began. Where he's like. This is better than a one night stand. This is the story that gets me out of writing Purgatory. No, because is that uh, what he's in? he put a lot of time in talking to her and like mm-hmm. following her around uh, in a almost creepy way, uh, leaving her notes, well, calling her, stealing hey. pages out of her planner. If you're going for a one night stand, you're not putting in that kind of effort. I think you're being unfair. He's really good looking, so it wasn't creepy. It was I think cute. we're going to find that there's a certain venn diagram of hotness and craziness that you can get away with we're not complete uh sewer chuds over here but if you and i tried this shit probably wouldn't work out for us no no we're no james marsden no well this brings me up to another question actually because you said you've been in some weddings yeah have you hooked up at a wedding i never have no but i'm also not the kind of guy i've never just really hooked up randomly in general I don't think I have that kind of swagger or confidence about I mean, me. For, for the record, I never have either. I've, okay. al- I've always thought this was a weird thing in wedding movies, television shows. I've never seen in weddings where people were just pairing up and walking away. Yeah, for Is me. Is that a thing? For me, like a most, Noah's Ark sense to it? For or? me, most weddings I was in or attended, I either had a date or they were, you know, very close, like high school friends. And I knew everyone that was in the wedding. So it wasn't like... You were meeting somebody for the first time. There was never any kind of like, oh, who's this? I'm going to try to date here at this wedding. It was more like just like, oh, there's cousin Jamie over there. Like, I know her. Not going to try to sleep with her. That would be weird. Well, Um, weddings seem like a reason. Maybe this is a local phenomenon, but it weddings seem like a reason to just get absolutely plastered. Oh, absolutely. That's the idea. Is you're staying at a hotel possibly already near the venue. Yeah. You're going to get absolutely fucking fushnickens yeah. <laughs> you load up at the cookie table the you, cookie then table you load up at the bar and then you toss your cookies about two in the morning and you go to bed for for both of our listeners outside of pittsburgh <laughs> please pause go to google ask what is a pittsburgh cookie table you'll see it you'll probably move to pittsburgh or at least try to have your wedding oh the cookie tables are i i had no idea that this was a pittsburgh thing it's until my own wedding where we're planning the food, and I say, well, where's the cookie table going to go? And my wife's like, you fucking yinzer. <laughs> but sure enough, we had a cookie table at that way. Gotta have the cookie table. Absolutely. We're going worldwide with the cookie table. Okay, I I, I mean, I have, I don't know why I have <clears throat> lists of questions for you here. Okay, no, I mean. But what? here's another good one. Okay. DJ or live band? What do you prefer? Oh, DJ. DJ, Yes. Because there's a list of fucking staples. Yeah. You and have to hear every time. September. Yeah. You're going to hear which, September. Which I do think a live wedding band probably knows these songs. I'm not taking any chances. No, I want to hear the original. Like, you know where to move. You know where to dance. You know where to sing along. And, like, I get a couple drinks in me and all of a sudden I'm like, I want to hear Freak-A-Leak. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to just ask for it. And I don't think Jimmy and the Cruisers 
is going to be able to bust that one out. There's, I'm glad there's we just, agree on this. Yeah, there's certain songs. Now, for me, my personal, and I, I don't, we can get into this. I'm not a, a wedding guy. I don't want to get too deep into things. But, you know, marriage to me is just maybe not necessary. I'm, I'm kind of in the James Marsden camp maybe on this okay, one. Okay. So I've never been the kind of guy who plans out their wedding well in advance and has this dream wedding. But I do have one prerequisite if I ever get married. And there will be karaoke at my wedding with a DJ as well. But I, I really want to just see all my friends singing whatever they want to sing at a wedding. So I like this twist idea on the on the wedding. Now music I got to come up with a song. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So okay, we we veered off of this movie a little bit. James Marsden. That's because got, this movie's not very interesting, CJ. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. Right. Well, keep keep bringing me around. And let's talk this about this movie. You know where this movie brought me in? Is this this movie is pure '90s energy. Like, even though it's in... From 2008, yeah. Yes, it feels 90s as hell. And it is cookie cutter, but it felt wholesome in that cookie cutter. Like, I, I knew where everything was going to go, even if I didn't know where it was going to go. I loved uh, Malin Hackerman. Is that... Is Ma- that uh, Malin, Malin, I'm not Malin sure how to pronounce Ackerman it, yes, yeah. shows up. She plays Tess, she plays Jane's sister. Looking slightly evil the entire time. <laughs> she has, like, devil horn eyebrows. Oh, oh my god. god, who is... Like, she immediately walks in the apartment. Oh, your place is cute. Where's the Red Bull bitch? Let's go. Like, and it's just like, I'm supposed to hate her. Like, I get it. Yeah. Like, it was just such a caricature of a that kind of But it was character. nice. It was a refreshing thing after last week to have a bad guy. Even if she's, you still love her in the end, or you're supposed to still love her in the end. I don't think she should have had a redemption sort of a in this movie. I don't feel like she earned a redemption in this movie. No? No. I just, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Aside from some of the side characters who I... And it's not even that I like them, but I enjoy the actors that played them. Like, I, I love Judy Greer, and she played Casey. She was Jane's friend. Uh, I liked the, the <laughs> Gina the Goth, even though she was barely in it. I think it's more because I know those actresses from other things, and I know mm-hmm. that they're good, and Judy Greer had some good lines. Agreed. But for the most part, these these characters were so disposable and interchangeable. I mean, uh, Catherine Heigl is a cardboard cutout. I didn't like her. I didn't dislike her. I was just like, meh. Edward Burns is her boss. What a charisma suck. Like, how is that guy the the guy she's madly in love with? He's got to be the most boring believe, guy in the world. I can't believe we disagree this much on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. That guy seems like a catch the entire time. It's just, it's not, not for me. Like, I was yeah. not, I was like, you've got James Morrison here. You've got Edward Burns here. How is it even a Like, what I didn't understand is how he never thought his assistant was a viable option. How do you not? I can't say that I was absolutely crazy about Catherine Heigl, but if I was a single guy and Catherine Heigl was my assistant waiting on my every whim and need, I would uh, sooner or later think like, well, maybe I should ask her out. Well, maybe, maybe just, but you know, you know, shit where you eat. Workplace romances oftentimes don't work out. Plus you're the CEO, CFO of a giant corporation. You ask your assistant out and she doesn't want it, you could lose everything. Yeah, this is true. But I, I I, genuinely enjoyed him. Actually, I mean, the only person I didn't really like was the sister. And honestly, when I started thinking about the move she was pulling. So she's lying the entire time about who she is. Yeah. How many times has one of your buddies been at a bar and you walk into the middle of an obvious fucking lie and you back him up the entire oh, time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into things, but I've told a white lie here and there to a girl. You know, I've I've been down that road. Yeah. And none of her lies were honest to God. So here's what she lied about. 
She said that she liked animals. She didn't dislike animals. She wasn't like kicking dogs on the street. But she was never like, I gotta have a pet. This guy loved dogs. So she pretended to like animals so that he would like. He was a vegan. So she said that she didn't eat meat, even though she did eat meat. Am I missing anything? These are the two major lies, correct? Uh, the children thing? Was there something to do with children? She didn't, he has she didn't a, enslave children? He, 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 he has a little brother, uh, not a real little brother. Yeah, how could you not like this guy? He's fucking dreamy. He's got a little brother. He's, got, he, he's in the big brother's little brother. Yeah. And he's got a kid that he takes care of. She doesn't dislike kids, but she does have that kid cleaning his apartment at one point <laughs> and passing it off like she did it. But these are the things that she does. He likes her enough to ask her to marry him. And then at the end, when Jane's had enough and she goes to the rehearsal dinner, she puts together a little slideshow and basically exposes these couple of lies. That was some salty shit. It was salty. It was awful, honestly. And all of a sudden, the marriage is over. If this marriage was literally based on the fact that she didn't eat meat and liked dogs, I'm pretty sure it didn't have a whole lot of legs to stand on anyway. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> like, I was like, is that enough? That'd be like if you were marrying a girl and the whole time you dated her, she told you that she didn't eat seafood. And then at the rehearsal dinner, her her best friend is like, oh, by the way, here's that shrimp cocktail you ordered. I know you love shrimp cocktail. And you're just like, well, that's it. We're done here. I can't marry you. Well, for him, it was a, it was an ethical choice. He did not eat meat. I guess so. But like, I don't. I just didn't see how that was what the relationship was built on to the point where once he found that out, they were like, well, we're all done here. Yeah. It's been, it's been a good run. I think it was the embarrassment factor. Also, they really, uh, they really forgave Catherine Heigl kind of quick on that. She, I know, I know the sister was a little angry for a while, but that's how these if movies you're gonna, work. If you're going to shit on two people that you love, you don't throw it at the fan. You throw it at them personally. You pull them aside. And you did. Do it. Yeah. You blew up their spot in, in quite a public place. And it was very, I mean, I feel like, so Catherine Heigl's character can't say no at all. There's a whole scene where James Marsden has to kind of convince her to say no. Very teach clever. Her how to say no. Scene. So I feel like this is more or less just, this has been bottled up in her. She hasn't been able to say no. People have been walking all over her for years. Mm-hmm. And she finally hits her tipping point. And just has that public meltdown because she couldn't control herself. Now, it was definitely premeditated in a way. But, oh, it, was yeah. just, but it was just kind of like, that was the volcano erupting. Let's be honest. We are putting together a photo montage. It was premeditated for seven to let's, eight hours before <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to the beginning. And let's talk about how all of this could have been avoided if Catherine Heigl would have said anything. So, her sister comes into town. She is... Jane, Catherine Ives' character, hopelessly in love with her boss, never tells him, never even tries to make a suggestion that maybe they date. Then the sister comes into town, meets him on the first night, is out with him all night. Which that that scene was probably the most awkward and like I could feel that tension. I get that. Like they go out separately on their own and then Catherine Heigl has to go back to her apartment and she just cannot sleep. She's up cleaning the apartment just wondering like. We've what all is, been there. What is he doing to her yeah. right now? Like, she's just waiting for They're her playing it off for comedy. Yeah, but it's... In reality, we've all been there. We've all been up at fucking 4 a.m. thinking, that person is absolutely filled with a person that I don't want yes. to Yes! Why haven't you texted me? Yes! Um, so, finally she does come home, and it doesn't seem like anything really happened. Just says she's had a wonderful night. Why at that point wasn't she like, listen... I've, I really hit, like, like this guy. I've had a thing for this guy for a while. If she's your sister, she's gonna be like, oh... Yeah, back I guess he's off up. limits, yeah. No, but instead, 
she lets them date so much to the point where I'm pretty sure every night when she goes to bed, she just listens to them boning on her couch. Oh, <laughs> like, God damn, Catherine Heigl. Say no. We've One time, there. say I've no. There. And that's that's a real strong move by that guy. He's a CEO of a company. But instead of going back to whatever beautiful apartment I'm sure he has, let's go bang on my assistant's couch, who's also your sister. Oh, it's kind wait, of weird. He, did they bang on the couch? Did I? Miss she it? walks in at one point. And they're passionately making out on the couch, so that leads me to believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, but either way, like, does this guy couch. not have an apartment? Like, he's the head of a very you're led to believe successful company. Why does he keep going back to her sister's apartment where she's just staying? Why isn't? Why aren't they at? Get a hotel, my guy. Like yeah, you've got the you money. You can afford a hotel. You've got the money obviously it's awkward but yeah that's why i don't i don't think i can really get behind any of these characters because literally they're just not that bright like i don't understand like why Catherine michael doesn't just say hey i can we stop this for a minute i think you're doing this thing where you're adding a lot of pragmatic thought into i mean this movie would be 14 minutes long if she would have just came out and said hey i really got a thing for you i get that also my sister's here you gotta tell her to fuck off so that we can, and and the sister like so. Here's the thing too. I've been trying to figure this out. Uh, is this a movie thing or a woman thing? <laughs> well, if it's a movie thing, I might have an answer. If it's a woman thing, I've got no clue. But please go. Okay, on. is there dibs? If me and you were at a bar, we're both single. A girl walks in and you go, "I have to know who that that woman is." Yeah, I'm immediately gonna go into wingman mode. Yeah. If I walk up and you're just like, absolutely, I'm a stout and stern vegetarian. I'm going to be like, hell yeah, I see this guy cry at panda videos all the time. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm absolutely like, like, I is dibs real for women? Can she just look at her, her sister and say, hey, I got dibs on this dude? Well, I think this is two different, maybe two different questions you're asking. Because you're kind of asking, um, do you back up the lie for a friend? And do you wingman? Which is mm-hmm. an absolute, probably yes, but it also is the, the total different dichotomy where they're family, and this is someone that she has known for a long time and is in love with, and she is in turn lying to him. So you don't you don't back up the lies okay. for your sister, I don't think in this situation. And yes, there also is dibs. She should have been able to just go to Tess and be like, "Hey, I've got a thing for this guy. I work with this guy. I've known him for a really long time. Could you date?" anybody else and, and literally a model and she is within her rights to do so like yeah. to ask that question and to draw that line but that's kind of like her whole character she can't draw that line she won't draw that line oh. and she needs to learn how to draw that line and eventually she just melts down to the point where she burns that line to the ground <laughs> she's she like really does yeah but it all works out it's a romantic comedy and everybody's happy okay just to change subjects a little bit okay i have a feeling it's it's second episode of this right I think I need a rule that I'm probably going to trip over here and there. Okay. We're here to judge movies, not women. Well, absolutely. Feels like a right rule, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I'm going to trip over that rule immediately. Okay. So you're going to judge the woman right out uh, the gate? Catherine you... Heigl. Yes. That's our main lead. Yes. Beautiful woman. Okay. Extremely ugly eater. Did she eat in this movie? Multiple times, and every time it looks like a cave troll chowing down on a fucking rock. I didn't even notice. My goodness. Oh, my God. Every time she anger eats. Really? Yeah, and it, it is a, every time I know well, she Was she become... angry when she ate? Or Absolutely. Oh, 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 oh. 
There is the scene where they're eating pancakes with the dad. And she's just stuffing her mouth. That's one of four. I didn't realize one that. One of four scenes. But I do recall that, and that was played for humor. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna judge somebody for, you know, a, a scene that was in a scene in a movie that was uh, aching for humor so badly and lightheartedness. <laughs> they actually tried to to give me a bit of a laugh and I accepted. Every time a no should have been a, coming out of her mouth. Like an entire fucking it. carrot or something <laughs> was going into her mouth. That's funny, because like that was kind of her you know, she wanted to say something. And she just cannot say anything, so instead, she ate her feelings, and I, I respect her for that, and I feel that. As someone who eats their feelings on the regular, have a bad day, how about a Whopper? You know, But some a guy Whopper, cuts you when off. somebody's asking you a question, you're just like... <laughs> some guy cuts you off in traffic, how about a 40-piece nugget? Yeah, I, I got no problem with uh, Catherine Heigl stuffing her face. I think that's a relatable, uh, enjoyable aspect of this movie. Uh, speaking of uh, trying to shoehorn comedy into a movie that doesn't really hit and i usually love a good montage can we talk about the montage scene of her just trying on the 27 dresses that wasn't for me or you buddy well that wasn't even for anybody no that was like uh look at me i'm fun and then they were just like she'd be dancing by in a dress and then dancing by in another dress i'm questioning is that am i an asshole because that's for the ladies or are you an asshole because you don't realize it's for the ladies no because i love a good montage like that's what like i love a montage that could have been a great montage but because she is just an emotionless uh, person that i didn't care for and didn't find relatable at all it was more like look at me i'm Mm. having a good time i'm fun you're supposed to like me you heartless cocksucker oh wow that's (laughs) i just i just i'm sure we'll i mean i'll find a montage i like but just these just boring the boring people like everybody in this movie to me was just a boring person that didn't really do it for me my god man i'm sorry i just and did she not notice and think it was weird that he was taking pictures of her in every dress that was a little odd that was a little bit like yeah saving this one for later like that's the point where he decided to write that article in my mind and he's snapping a picture at every dress and then she but and at first she was like why are you taking a picture and he's like, well, you just look so cute in the dress. She's like, oh, okay. And then it was just fashion show city for yeah. the next, that had to have been a solid eight hours. She was trying on dresses. I Every single dress, new hairstyle. I didn't notice that. Even when she's in the kimono, she has fucking chopsticks holding a bun together. So there was, between each dress, there's a solid 45 minutes where this guy's on the fucking couch watching television. She's like... And then she pops out and he's like, wait, let me turn the montage music back on. We got, we got another scene. Here. Let me get my camera ready. Excuse yeah. me. I mean, she, she put in the effort between each dress. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I just, the, I love a good montage and that one didn't do it for me. I can't even remember what the music was that it was set to. I think it was just generic music. Usually you gotta have like a yeah. real bop to go with your montage. And this was just like a, here's a dress, here's a dress, here's a dress, here's a dress. <laughs> and I didn't, it just, I don't know. My God, I have, on my notes here, I have a line that just says, favorite love song about a sandwich. Oh, wow. Why, is there a love song about a sandwich in There's this movie? There's a sandwich line in this somewhere that I must have written that down about, but. If yeah. The, if there is a love song about a sandwich, I don't know it. And if there isn't one, we should probably write it. But right, right after that, I have a more poignant one. Okay, good. Because I didn't know where we were going to go with that. Unless we were going to dip into Would favorite sandwiches. Mine's a Reuben, by the way. In a, oh, fuck. <laughs> in a real world, we should be bankrupt for this many weddings. Weddings are fucking expensive. There's a point in this movie where he was like, how do you afford all this? She's like, they're my best friends. 
bitch, best friends ain't paying your bills. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what yeah. that meant. I remember from my own wedding having to call up my groomsmen and being like, look, I picked out tuxes. They're at the men's warehouse. Come on by. It's going to be about $40. But And I'd say guess... half of them were like, this is, that's way too expensive, bro. And you're like, no, 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 no. The guy, he guarantees. Yeah. You'll like the way you look. 40 bucks is perfect. Yeah. Weddings are a pain in the ass. Like, I'm glad I've only been in three. It's just such an awful... I don't want to be the James Marsden where I hate on weddings. But you are such... You get married and you're like, hey, we're getting married. Here's a list of all the things you need to do for us and pay money for. Like, I'm not going to do that when I get married. Like, if I get married, if ever, it's going to be courthouse. And then we're going to run out like a nice community center. We're going to pay for some food. Show up whenever you like. You don't got to get dressed up. Those honestly are my favorite. I don't favorite. care. I've been to about four or five of those. Yeah. Those are my favorite We're going to we're gonna throw the karaoke on. We're going to drink our faces off. Like, And that's going to be that. We, there might be a nacho cheese fountain, too. Not that I put a lot of thought on this, but that's a thought I've had. But it's going to be real simple, and I'm not going to put anybody out. Hold on. I stopped listening to nacho cheese fountain. <laughs> Somebody should write a love song that about that. Yeah. I, I mean, you get fondue. Why not nacho cheese? So, okay. Here, here's another one for you. Okay. What's the weirdest thing that's happened to you at a wedding? Or not even happened to you. The weirdest thing you've seen. I wouldn't necessarily say that it happened at the wedding. I do have a very good friend. And this was uh, in Michigan. He got married. And I wasn't even in the wedding. But um, my best friend, one of the guys that I was actually the best man in his wedding, uh, was one of the groomsmen for this wedding. These were all college friends. And everybody got super drunk. And then we went back to my buddy's house. His parents have a beautiful big house on a lot of land. Like six extra bedrooms. So we were all staying there because it was Ooh. a lot of us came in from out of town. It was a dream. We dream go scenario. across the street to some almost like a college party that they knew the people. Everybody continues to get trashed. My friend gets real sloppy drunk. Falls into a jagger bush. And then I almost fought one of the other groomsmen because they wanted to leave him there. That's oh. probably the most extreme wedding situation I've had, but even that's not that weird or like crazy. It was just that sticks out in my mind as like uh, a memorable moment from a wedding situation. How about you? I mean, I, I have a list. Okay. I've been at one where the groom and half of the wedding party got arrested. That's great. It wasn't hard arrested. Where's the movie about It was that? they stepped outside to have a smoke of things you can't normally smoke out in public at least not back in 2010 okay and a cop walked by and cited every single one of them okay interesting thing about that it ended up the same judge that married them eight hours earlier it's the same judge that got the citation that's beautiful so it was just like hey you're good yeah that's fantastic and who's gonna hassle somebody in their wedding day i have if you're out there in the wedding dress smoking a bowl and the cop wants to give you a hard time come on man it's your special day let them be free i think my favorite though so i was at my best friend's wedding tm coming up soon uh yeah i was gonna say i think that's julia roberts's territory uh let me set the scene Uh, please Okay. I'm going to close my eyes again. This is this is becoming my favorite part. You're a real storyteller. <laughs> and like whenever you say, I want, I want you to imagine, I want to, I just want to close my I'm, eyes and see what happens. I'm sitting at a table. Okay. It, it's actually one of those weddings like yours. They got married in a courthouse. Okay. And we're having a nice party at a community center. I love it. Got the groom on my left. 
Okay. Got one of the other henchmen. Uh, henchmen? Yeah, yes, one of the other henchmen on my right. Was he a Dick Tracy villain, the guy that got married? Yeah. Okay. No, one of the other groomsmen right there on my right. On the opposite side of the table, we have the new bride. Okay. We have my wife at the time, my girlfriend. Okay. And we have the Those henchmen. are separate people, right? My wife at the time and my girlfriend. <laughs> Those are, that's the same person. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, we have the other person, the groomsman's girlfriend. Okay. So four yeah. of these people are dressed fairly wedding-y. Okay. The people that weren't were Can my buddy and his exotic dancer girlfriend. I'm shocked, but okay. Uh, he's dressed like Stephen fucking Seagal. Uh, full white linen, head to toe. Oh my God. She is in a low-cut dress a la Jennifer Lopez, the green dress. Oh, yeah. Yes. We look over, the three of us men, her entire titty is laying on the table. Wow. She's leaned on the table, the entire titty is falling out of the dress. Okay. And it's just pointing at us. What's your move? Do you, you're going to get to it, but I'm curious. I make eye contact with my wife. Okay, not the titty. And then I make eye contact with the titty. Ah, okay. Over and over again. Okay. I'm like, you've got to see this Or you're kind of giving her titty. like the nod. Like the, you're, you're yes. motioning her with your eyes. You like have gotta, to be involved in this like, would situation. You look, would you look at this shit over here? If there's a straight titty hanging out, I will contact my wife and say, hey, you got to see this. You got to be in this situation with me. We are and also, in I this feel together. Like, I feel like it's not, it's not your place to be like, yo, titty's out. But yes. if you can get your wife involved, it's more her place to be like, hey, hon, maybe put that away and let her kind of got. That is exactly what happened. And the brand new groom of ours, like whispers in my ear, he goes, I'm going to get divorced. Like she's going to see that titty and she's going to divorce me. <laughs> it's not his fault. There's no way I didn't see that titty. She's going to know that I saw that titty. She's gonna hate me. That's and that's her. That's her feelings. You're just gonna titty. bump back into each other yeah. at the cookie table and be like, "What did you just see? I know um, that you saw something." I was able to make psychic communication with my own wife to say, "Hey, can you do something about this titty?" <laughs> but of of a few odd wedding scenarios, absolutely my favorite. Bless her heart. Just, I know your wife, and I'm sure she was just the sweetest about it too. She probably was yeah. like, "Hey, sweetheart, I hope you know this." Got, somebody broke out of the cell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're on their way. They're th- so, yeah. Good I for believe her. the exact words might have been in her ears. Your titties hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. That, that is a good one. I like that a lot. I want to tell you my favorite, my favorite line from this. <laughs> well, let's, can we, I, we're getting kind of close on time. Okay. So I think maybe we roll into our grand gesture segment of the podcast mm. where we kind of just give our final thoughts and uh, opinion, not, not opinions necessarily, we'll save that for ratings, but is there anything that we didn't get to cover that you'd like to cover before we roll into the end here? Okay. Uh, one, Cyclops finally gets his. He does. Good. Like, I, that makes me happy. Good like, I, I feel like I've been waiting a while. Of all the people, and I, I haven't been shy about saying that I really didn't, not that I didn't like the people in this movie, but they were just real vanilla. Like, I didn't, well, I didn't really care about any of them. I thought a lot of them were just kind of meh, but... As far as personality goes, and it, it's the weirdest thing. I, I I was introduced to James Marsden through the X-Men movies, obviously. I'm a 90s kid, like, kind of a nerd. Wait, what are the X-Men movies? <laughs> Please, yeah. like, you don't know. <laughs> uh, he was he was real boring in those. Like he, And I guess his character in those movies is supposed to be kind of a but, stoic, um, no-nonsense kind of guy. But really didn't 
show a lot of emotion, period. Wasn't very relatable. Kind of two-dimensional. So far in the rom-coms and the, the romantic dramas, James Marsden's batting a thousand. Like, he's got the yes. personality. He's got the charm. Um, maybe well, if he would have shown a little bit of the next man, he wouldn't have got cucked by Wolverine. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he, he was by far my favorite part of this movie, even though it was a little weird that he was just falling woman based on his planner that he essentially stole from her. Well, and this, uh, this no. <laughs> leads to my new, my new, uh, uh terminology. Okay. Let's go back to the X-Men movies. Right. Okay. He's boring. He's white bread. But he's an alright guy. There's nothing wrong with him. He actually is very much in love with the protagonist. He's the safe bet. Okay. And the same thing in the notebook. He's a good guy. Yeah. Like, this is a guy that your daughter starts dating. You're going to be like, great. Yeah. I'm happy about this. Yeah. Nothing is wrong with this human. He does not get weird with people's feet or he's not stalking <laughs> anybody. But he gets, uh, he gets uh, as you said, cucked, cuckolded yeah. every single time. Right. I'm calling this getting cycloped. I love it. Okay. Th- this is going to be my term for when the other person, other guy, other gal, is decent. But still gets fucking pushed out of the way. Yeah. For for, well, for the less safe, possibly problematic love interest. Yes. And I'm glad that in this movie, he did not get cycloped. No, he didn't. He's, well, I mean, probably because... Honestly, if Edward star, Burns would have shown any kind of charisma, he might have. That guy was just so boring. And I, I loved it. I did like the part where they finally kissed. And I was like, no, I really? really? I she, enjoyed that too. Is she getting back with this guy? And then she was like, you know what? I didn't feel it. He was like, you know what? Me neither. And I was like, I enjoyed that. I was like, it's that very mature awesome. of both of you to be like, let's give it a shot. And then just realize, no, you know what? It's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I really like that. I did like that a lot. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, um, please, the, what was your favorite line? You were about to tell me your favorite line from the okay. movie. We didn't get into that. Uh, when she cuts up the dress and she finally has enough and says no, she's marching out of the building. Yeah. She says, you were just some bitch that broke my heart and cut up my mother's wedding dress. It's very specific. That's, that's cutting. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, painful. Well, especially coming from your own sister. Yeah. Like you're, all, you're not my sister anymore. You're just some bitch. Yeah. That did this, this, and this. Yeah, that was good. I like that. Anything else, or was that? Um, I think I could go on for a while in this movie. Actually, I fuck you. I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> hey, and you know what? That's what we're. That's a fine romantic comedy, romantic drama. It's art, and art yeah. is subjective. You know, the, some people like uh, Picasso. Some people like Monet. And yeah. some people, you know what I mean. It's if it makes you feel good inside, CJ. I'm not going to judge you for it. The the only other thing I got to say. Might as well, this might as well be an interview. I'm just going to ask you a question. Okay. The the whole Benny and the Jet scene. This is actually, okay, uh, this is part of my last. You know what? Go ahead. Let's do it. This is, this is my thoughts. So that's what I was going to say. I really uh, did enjoy that scene. Uh, I, like I said, I didn't get a lot out of this movie. Uh, it was the only time that our protagonist was likable. And I feel like that art imitates life. There's a lot of boring people out there. And once they get a few drinks in them. They're a little more enjoyable. <laughs> and I feel like at the point when, when Jane, Catherine Heigl's character, actually starts getting a little tipsy, I was like, where's the movie with her? Like, I want to see her like this the entire movie. Uh, and from what I read online, they were actually a little drunk when they filmed that scene, which makes sense because they let loose you a little feel bit it. more. Yeah, yeah, you feel it. You can feel it. So I really enjoyed that. And electric boobs. 
That was my favorite line from the movie when they're actually singing uh, Benny and the Jets, but they oh. can't get the words right. At one point, she sings electric boobs. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I, I, I love that. That scene is very lame, but at the same time, have you ever been in a moment, like in a musical moment? Where everybody in the room is singing the same song. I have. Everybody's I, having a good time. I have. It's, it's so happened at a bar a few times, and it's great when it's, it's like great. that one earworm of a song comes yes. on. Uh, I, I actually have a very fond memory of one time at a bar where uh, Dobie Gray's Drift Away came on, and the whole bar sang it. And it was just, that was that moment where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm in a movie right now. Yeah, it, it's very cool. And I, 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 I really like that part of the movie, and I, I did, like I said, why couldn't she have just been drunk the entire movie? I would have had a better time. Just just rocking out and out and John, just drunk. Yeah. Out, trying on different dresses. Yeah. Well, no, New I song. Mean, I mean, maybe if they would have, would have got her drunk for the montage, I would have enjoyed it better. I'm a, I'm a real big proponent of the montage, and they kind of ruined the montage in this movie, and I'm upset about it. Because there's just something about a good montage. Like, when you yeah. get it right, it's so right. When you're just forcing it down somebody's throat to make you like somebody, it's not as good of a time. True. But I I don't think I have anything else other than that. Um, my notes are pretty sparse. Like I said, I didn't get a lot out of this movie. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so we will go into our Nicolas Cage portion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no oh. sense if you didn't listen to the first episode. And I'm not going to give you any backstory. If no. you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the Notebook episode, you sons of bitches. Why would you start on number two? Our first game is Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage, where I try to connect this movie to Nicolas Cage in some way. This one was way easier than expected, because what I usually do, I'll hit up IMDb, I'll start scrolling the cast list, and I'll try to find someone that I know has been in a Nicolas Cage movie. Because that's how I went with the first one. Uh, I start scrolling through IMDb, there's a scene in this movie where Jane walks in on her boss, which, for the love of God, George, the most boring man in the world, is trying <laughs> to uh, propose to her sister. Jane shows up first, and it's one of those surprise party tropes where the one person walks in who's not meant to receive the surprise. Oh, and the whole band And the play. band plays, and the For banner. some reason, is absolutely blocking her from leaving the room. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. He's like, you're not saying no. Um, there's a maitre d' in this scene. He is played by an absolute nobody. He wasn't even credited in the movie. Uh, he's actually a theater actor. His name is Michael Anthony Coppola. Go- Coppola, 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 Coppola. Don't oh, know if you know this. Jesus, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, director of The Godfather, big name in Hollywood. Nicholas Cage is actually a Coppola. Changed his last name. Uh, so this guy is a relative of Nicholas Cage. My God. Right in this movie. So it's not even a movie six degrees. It's a blood six degrees. It, 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 it's, yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're right. We're like so close. Like it's a family close. reunion. This guy's like, I was in 27 dresses and Nicolas Cage is like, I was in everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He's like, we're, so we're so close to having Nicolas Cage in this movie. It's scary. Oh, wow. So that's my connection to Nicolas Cage in 27 dresses. So Nice. Well, well, my little Nicolas Cage thing is, like I said last week, is... I'm going to get him on this podcast. I'm going to do what I can. So I, I was my... honestly pretty upset when I showed up today and he wasn't here. So Yes. Well, you know, the oh. bathroom is... It would have been a lot cleaner oh. if he was here. Okay. So I gave... I gave... Uh, my first step was just a Google search. How do you contact famous people? 
<laughs> and I Maybe tell we you what, get a cameo from Nick. Are the cameos still a thing? Are we get yeah. a cameo from Nick? Oh Cage? my god! <laughs> All right, well, I have next week's there, ready. There you go. So I tried. Uh, I tried googling this, and I got about thirty to forty different websites. Where if I pay about fifty bucks, they'll just give me his personal address. That has to be a scam. What all forty to fifty of these different websites? I'll tell you what, are you give scams? me fifty bucks, I'll give you this right. personal information. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I didn't sign up for any of these. Good. Uh, but I'm gonna keep searching. Okay. Like it's good. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna get him on this podcast. All right. So, so I don't know what's gonna happen when he's on this podcast. So, I'll probably just not be able to talk. So far, you haven't been scammed. So that's a good thing. I think we have one Nicolas Cage movie on this list, and I don't know if we should take it off just to reserve it just in case he shows up. Or do we want him to review something that's not a Nicolas Cage movie with us? What do you, you have, think would be better? You have very high hopes for me. <laughs> I mean, I just don't want to... What if we roll... You know what? No, no. Fuck it. Let's go with that energy. All right. Let's take it... Is it Moonlighting? It's uh, Moonstruck. Moonstruck. <laughs> You're close. Let's go ahead and take that off the list. All right. We'll take it off the list. So we'll, that way, just we'll, in case we can get him. And then you... When we get him. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. When we get him. So you can go ahead and use that as like a little, little ace in the hole. Like, hey, mm. we're reviewing this movie. Can we get you on for it? So I like it. I do too. And on that note, let's go into a little segment we call Turn This Chick Flick Into a Dick Flick. We're going to take this movie and try to make it more appealing to the fellas. How would you turn this chick flick into a dick flick, CJ? So I got some ideas. Okay. Okay. Uh, First, imagine that she could read minds. Oh, Jesus. It was telepathic. (laughs) Are we going down this road again? No, 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 no. Okay. Okay, okay. What would have really got my attention is in the scene where she calls him out, where she says, oh, you just seem like some asshole that was stood up at the altar and, and, and he just admits it. Yeah. He says to her, yes, I've, I've been in this situation before about 50 years ago. What? I had a woman leave me. <laughs> so he's uh, doesn't age. Yeah, he doesn't age. He is Cyclops from the Notebook. What? Yes. We're talking Lon? Yes, he is Lon. He just changes his name every 20 years. Fucking mind blown. But, in my perfect story, Right. He doesn't go past that. He just leaves it in fact. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves you fucking wondering the rest of the movie. And that makes it a guy movie? Sure. Alright, I'll take That's it. That's it right there because... I mean, it works for me. It had me thinking the rest of the movie, just thinking of it. Yeah, alright. Mm-hmm. I like that. And what about you? Let me take you down a little path here. We're gonna go psychological thriller. Okay. Is, is how I feel. Okay. Jane has been in 27 weddings. Mm-hmm. Every wedding, bride brutally murdered the night of the wedding. Oh, Okay. She's cursed. She doesn't know what to do. Obviously, the cops looking at her like, what the hell is going on here? She meets James Marsden's character. Seems like a nice guy. Great guy. She falls in love with him. They start dating. He does the same job. He's a writer for the newspaper. He writes commencements for the announcements for the weddings. So, obviously, he's at every wedding. She ends up back at his apartment. She opens the closet. What does she find? 
27 goddamn dresses. Wedding dresses. Because he's killing every bride. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then there's just like a weird like Buffalo Bill scene where he's like in a wedding dress dancing around the apartment. There's a montage of this motherfucker dancing to songs wearing every wedding dress. And that's a better montage than what we got in this movie. And that's that's fuck me. That's I my, feel like I got up my game after hearing that's, this. That's my move. I came with some weak shit. I'm sorry. You'll get there eventually. I do like. I mean, I love time traveling. Lawn. That's great. Let's put lawn in every fucking movie. All right. So I think we should get into ratings. I have a feeling we're gonna come in uh, a little differently on this one. Would you like to go first? Yeah, I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna give this. 3.75 dresses Jesus out of 5. Christ, that is high. High? That is high. That's down from the 4.25 that I wanted to give it. Oh my god, that is extremely high. Please tell me why this movie was rated so highly for you. Because I feel like 3.75... It was a nostalgia movie. It really brought me back into that 90s energy. Okay. With, you know, it, it had everything you need. Bad transitions... It could have been solved in the first 30 minutes if yeah. people just communicated. Okay. But it was watchable the entire time. I didn't once pause this movie to see how much time was left. I just watched it the whole way through. That's, yeah, okay. I didn't either. Which, that doesn't hey, necessarily, to me, make it a good movie. On The Notebook, I paused that shit five times. Okay. That's all you got then? Just the 3.75 coming in that high for our second movie and just throwing how caution to the gonna, wind? How are you not going to come in over a three? Uh, I'm going to tell you exactly how. Is this better than The Notebook? Um, so I have I have feelings, and I'm kind of pacing together as I go here. The Notebook, obviously, I rated a two. The Notebook was not a slog to get through, but I just hated the people so much that I had to rate it low. The movie itself was not bad, as we discussed, but the people in it were just so awful that I rated it a two. Uh, I'm going to give this a two and a half. And the reason it gets the extra half a star, and I don't even want to say this is a better movie than The Notebook. If we're going production value and technical, but I'm writing with my heart here, not my brain. This was not a better movie, technically speaking, or story-wise. Acting wasn't any better. I just hated the people less. It was, this was a harmless movie. It was an easy watch. I was able to get through it without being upset at anyone or thinking how much more of this do I got to put up with. So to that degree, but this, like I said, this movie is basically just, if you took every romantic comedy together, put it in a blender and then just splooshed it all over the screen. This is the basic white bitch of rom-coms. This movie shows up in a pair of Uggs, it orders a pumpkin spice latte, and it goes, yes! Yeah, and it just, I mean, it was inoffensive. It didn't upset me, it didn't bother me. But by no means was it a technical masterpiece, or they weren't breaking any ground. No. Nobody was like, ooh, this is quite the acting that I'm seeing here. It was just very much cookie cutter, vanilla. I wasn't here to have my ground broke. I'm sorry, I, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I, I, like I said, if you liked it, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I like it. This is a positive experience. Especially after last week. <laughs> where I watched... I, I, you know, I ended last week and I thought to myself, this was all a mistake. 
<laughs> See, I didn't think it was a mistake. Honestly, I was happy to talk about how awful those people are. <laughs> Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't this know. This movie gave me hope where it wasn't like, oh my God, thank God there's a silver lining on the horizon. It was just, at least I can enjoy some of these movies. I'm also, you know, I'm a sucker for just a simple, brainless movie. Yeah, and sometimes that's good. And I, I think you'll be... I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because I do think that we're going to see a lot more of this than we are the notebook through this spiritual journey of ours through the the romantic cinematic universe, if you will. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, this crap. The romance <laughs> cinematic universe. That's right. The RCU? Yeah. 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 Sorry. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little <laughs> bourbon in at this point. I like it. So yeah, so uh, should we roll our movie for next week? Then are we yeah. all done here with twenty seven dresses? Let let it let us consult the AI, the famous it's Google the, random pretty, number generator. Pretty sure they wrote this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next movie they want us to watch is number fifty seven. Okay, let me check the list. Ooh, love and basketball. Do you care to take a stab at what this movie is possibly about, other than love and basketball? Oh, the the safe guess that I'm going to give it is this movie is about love and or basketball. Uh, you son of a bitch! I feel like you've seen this before. I'm just that good. I'm looking it up now. It looks like it's literally a movie about love and basketball. Who's in it? Uh. It's Omar Epps. Omar Epps. Omar, okay. Omar Epps. Uh, Regina Hall. Okay. Who I enjoy quite a bit. Uh, Gabrielle Union. Gotta love. Which I like a lot. And, ooh, Mr. State Farm himself, Dennis Haysbert. You mean the guy from the State Farm commercials? Yeah, like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. He could lull me to sleep. He really could. I would, <laughs> I would really watch could. that guy do anything, oh. pretty much. Just read oh. me the phone book and I'm good. Correction, sir. You could listen to that guy do anything. <laughs> You're right. I could listen to that guy. All right. Well, anyhow. So, yeah. So, please. I mean, next week, come back. See us again. We're going to do Love and Basketball. And until then, I think I'm going to roll with the tagline from last week. Uh, stay romantic and don't be shitty to each other. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.